This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. I never thought I would see the day but I would stand on a platform and invite somebody to become a stool pigeon. I've had some unfortunate experiences with these things. It's 1984. Public outrage about crime in Detroit has reached a crescendo. Desperate and out of options, Mayor Coleman Young calls on the city's residents for help. But now we invite, invite people to think in a good cause. Be a people's think. Put the finger on your neighbor. <laughs> if he's carrying a gun, if he's committing a crime. I say that because we have to do it. We have to point out the wrongdoer if it's a member of our family. If we're not willing to step up to the responsibility of identifying those who break the law, then the law will continue to be broken because by our silence, we're a part of the crime. We're condoning the crime. Publicly, Coleman Young is asking Detroiters to turn in their friends and even their family members. But when it comes to his friends and family, it turns out that the mayor is a little more willing to look the other way. If you're related to the right person, I guess you can do what you want to do. You kill who you want to kill. You can get things done in a certain city, you know, because you got that type of power. Last time on Crime Town, we told you about Mayor Coleman Young's connections to Detroit's drug world. Today on the show, the drive-by shooting of a 13-year-old boy shows just how deep those connections go. An amazing story of a disputed murder investigation, drugs, and suspected police corruption with the shadow of city politics over all of it. Politicians in my eyes. I'm Drew Nellis. Welcome to Crime Town. Kathy was always getting in trouble. I think what really hit the nail on the head was when Kathy got involved with Johnny. Come on. <laughs> He is a little gangster in him, but I put it like this here. He loved his niece. I've never been accused of being immoral, but um, I've never been accused of being too moral either. Mark Twain between Pembroke and Chippewa. Uh-huh. Somebody is outside just, just firing a gun continuously. April 29th, 1985, just before midnight. Gunshots ring out on the west side of Detroit. How many shots have you heard? A whole bunch of them. Sound like a dozen. Bang, bang, bang all over the place. The shots were aimed at a red brick house on Marlowe Street. All the shots pierced the walls. 
Uh, it was automatic weapon fire. This is Vince Wade, an investigative reporter. Inside the house were two brothers. Damien Lucas was 13. Uh, Frankie was 11. So the boys tried to run to the basement to hide, but uh, they didn't make it that far. They got they got as far as the kitchen, and uh, Damien fell on the floor. So there was this absolutely riveting 911 call from Frankie Lucas. He's begging for help because his brother is on the floor dying. The operator tries to get the information from him. He, he tells her, but he's just wailing on the phone that, uh, that, that he's so scared. Now, there's a lot of killings in Detroit. Uh, that's how it got the, the nickname, the Murder City. Uh, but this one was, was particularly uh, heart-wrenching. Vince Wade made a TV news series about the murder of Damian Lucas. You'll hear his reporting throughout the episode. 13-year-old Damian Lucas was dead on arrival at Mount Carmel Hospital. His uncle, Leon Lucas, had custody of Damian and Frankie. The boys had been orphaned when their mother died the previous year. Here's Damian's uncle, Leon, talking to Vince Wade. Damian said, let's go in the basement and hide. And he didn't make it to the basement. He collapsed in front of the stove. And Frankie said, Uncle Leon, I tried to pick him up. But he was too heavy, he said, and then I tried to wake him up. He wouldn't wake up no more. And then he just bust out into tears. When the homicide detectives went to investigate uh, after Damien Lucas was killed, they interviewed the neighbors, which is standard procedure. Uh, and the neighbors told them about the big fight between Lakeith Davis and Leon Lucas. Lakeith Davis was a guy from the neighborhood, and at first, there seemed to be a lot of reasons for Detroit homicide detectives to pursue him as a suspect. He had been in a noisy fight with Leon Lucas the week before. He had threatened to kill Leon Lucas. Neighbors witnessed the incident. The night of the shooting, neighbors saw a white car. Davis drove a white escort. Davis was picked out of a lineup by a witness, and his friends were vague about whether he was with them when the shooting occurred. So the police arrested Lakeith Davis for the murder of Damian Lucas. I, I went to see Lakeith at the Wayne County Jail. This is Lakeith Davis's lawyer, Elliot Margolis. He looked like a typical young man that was uh, accused of, of a very serious crime locked up in the Wayne County Jail, which is not a pleasant place to be. You know, he, he was obviously scared stiff. He, he had never been in any trouble, and uh, it just, the crime that he was charged with just didn't fit. But there were other people Leon Lucas knew who did fit the crime. Here's Vince Wade talking to Leon again. So you started working uh, in a business relationship, selling heroin with Leo Curry. Exactly. And with Johnny? With Johnny. Mm-hmm. Leon Lucas was selling heroin for drug dealer Johnny Curry and his twin brother Leo. And they John were getting their heroin from Willie Volson, is that correct? Yes. Johnny Curry told you that he was getting his heroin 
from Willie Volson, who's Kathy's father. Kathy's father, yes. Kathy, as in Kathy Volson. As you learned in our last episode, Kathy was married to drug dealer Johnny Curry. She was also Mayor Coleman Young's favorite niece. Leon Lucas had uh, scored some heroin from uh, the Curry brothers and was going to sell it, but uh, got raided by the police. And so all of a sudden he was out the product that he was going to use to pay them back. So Leon Lucas owed the Currys some money. And they called and said, yeah, we want our money and, you know, we don't want to hear no more about you giving us our money or whatever. And I just told him when I said, well, I don't have it. He said, well, yeah, what's what's to be out to your house tonight? And then you'll wish you had gave it to me. This is the Monday that Damien got shot. Right, the Monday morning. Mm-hmm. When that happened, you thought what? Well, I automatically knew it was the Currys who was the conspirators in that. Leon Lucas told the police what he told Vince Wade. He suspected the Curry brothers were behind the shooting. But the police already had Lakeith Davis in jail. And that's where things might have ended, if it weren't for this guy. In the FBI, we weren't going after street dealers. Uh, you know, our philosophy was, you know, to cut the head of the snake off. This is FBI agent Herm Groman. In 1985, he was working a federal case on the Curry Brothers drug operation. We got authorization to go up on Curry's telephones and start tapping his phones. Well, immediately, we began hearing conversations about this shooting that had taken place on the west side of Detroit. You know, like, why in the f- when he called her and threatened them people, you know? Mm, that's why I'm in the house right now, just laying low. This is Johnny Curry caught on that wiretap a few days after the shooting. He's talking about an enforcer of his named Wyman Jenkins. Okay. And I told Wyman, you know, uh, he, right now he got to stroke himself, this one. Yeah. He got to weather himself out of this one because they went down a dumb move by killing that little boy. Man, that's a little boy. Yeah. Boy, 12 years. 11 or 13, something like that. 13. Agent Groman now had Johnny Curry on a wiretap, saying that one of his guys had done a dumb move by killing that little boy. Groman did some digging and found out that little boy was Damian Lucas. The police department had arrested another guy by the name of Lakish Davis and charged him with first-degree murder. And um, there was no indication at all that Lakish Davis committed this murder. I had information that strongly supported that members of the Curry drug gang actually did. We made sure that the homicide section of the police department got this information and that basically was, hey, you got the wrong guy, and this is why we believe you have the wrong guy, and this is who you need to be looking at. Well, they never pursued it. They continued to keep Lakeish Davis locked up. And finally, it got to the point where I realized, for whatever reason, that nothing was going to happen. So Agent Groman took a look through Johnny Curry's phone records from around the time of the murder. So I ran down those telephone numbers and I found that there were certain calls that took place right after this homicide had taken place. One of which was to the home unlisted telephone number of one of the sergeants on the Detroit Police Department by the name of James Harris. Jimmy Harris was the police sergeant who kept an eye on Mayor Coleman Young's niece, Kathy. James Harris had worked uh, directly as a part of the protection detail for the mayor, Coleman Young. 
there was another call that got Agent Groman's attention to a close ally of Mayor Coleman Young, the head of the Detroit Police Department's Homicide Division, a man named Gil Hill. Gil Hill was uh, a formidable political force in the uh, city of Detroit, who you may recall appeared in some of the uh, Beverly Hills cop movies as Eddie Murphy's boss. You know how much this little stunt of yours is going to cost this city? I don't think cost is the issue here, sir. I think the issue should be my blatant disregard for proper procedure. You damn right, wise ass. The mayor called the chief, the chief called the deputy chief, the deputy chief just chewed my ass out. You see, I don't have any bit of it left, don't you? And a lot of people, police officers, prosecutors, and so forth, uh, were attached to the hip with uh, Gil Hill. Agent Groman suspected that Gil Hill's homicide division was deliberately ignoring evidence against the Curry organization. You know, uh, things began to make sense. I suspected that there was a, uh, an unsavory relationship with the police department vis-a-vis the relationship of Kathy Volson. And, and so, I, you know, I, I kind of um, became uh, hellbound in a way that I was going to try to resolve this and expose it. I was kind of stuck with all this information. I knew who did the homicide. I knew that Lakeisha Davis was locked up. And so I took a step to notify Lakeisha Davis's uh, defense attorney. Basically, I met with him and I said, uh, you know, we have information that your client didn't commit this homicide. I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. I, you know, aha, you know, <laughs> it was the biggest aha moment I've had in my career. Lakeisha Davis's attorney. Elliot Margolis. They contacted me and uh, informed me of this exculpatory material with Gil Hill and the, the Curry boys being involved. One of their people actually did the shooting, and it was not Lakeith Davis who did it. With this new evidence, Elliot Margolis forced the Detroit police to drop the case against Lakeith Davis. After 10 months in jail, he was finally released. Margolis thought it was all over, but then... I received a phone call one night from Gil Hill. I had an unlisted phone number at the time. He contacted me at my home at about 11.30 at night, I remember. It was very late, and I thought it was most unusual, especially having an unlisted number. And uh, to be perfectly frank, I remember him being uh, drunk as a skunk, okay? and trying to convince me of how innocent he was. This whole conversation was just ranting and raving about how he was getting framed by the feds, by the FBI, and how he was totally innocent of any corruption, and on and on and on. And I listened, but I let him know that I wasn't concerned with anything but my client's welfare. I thought it was most odd, most strange. This is a guy that thought that he was in a lot of hot water and was just looking out, reaching in all directions for help. But this was a desperate guy. Did you think at the time that he was corrupt? After the phone call? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not something that a confident individual would be doing. I've never made myself uh, difficult to contact. 
And uh, I think that's a part of being a good investigator. Here's Homicide Inspector Gil Hill speaking with reporter Vince Wade. Let me put a question simply to you. As it relates to Kathy Volson, Johnny Curry, did you, Gil Hill, provide them with any information that might have been construed as tipping them off? Never. Never. They can say those things without being able to back them up. And there's nothing we can do about it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. By the end of 1985, the FBI was certain that members of the Curry organization had killed 13-year-old Damian Lucas. But they couldn't get the Detroit police to pursue the case and the FBI started to suspect that Johnny Curry's connections were the reason why. Johnny was married to Mayor Coleman's niece, and so the word got around that there's no way anybody's going to take them down. This is FBI agent Greg Schwartz. He and Agent Herm Groman had no jurisdiction in the Damian Lucas homicide, but they could continue to build their drug case against the Curry organization. Well, they had a number of different houses, uh, a lot of different houses, where they were selling the dope. And you would get different sources from Narcotics uh, Division of Detroit Police Department and DEA, etc., to go in there and make buys. Of course, all of this, for, for me, the case agent, was a mound of paperwork. Eventually, Agent Schwartz gathered enough paperwork for a warrant to raid Johnny Curry's house, which, of course, was also the home of his wife, Kathy Volson. On the day that we did that search warrant, I found a laminated card. I found it in the, in the kitchen, and it was taped on the back door of a kitchen cabinet. And that card had the phone number of Gill Hill and a number of other police officials with their private home phone number and their private cell phone numbers uh, on that card. Basically, it was, it was proof that the Curry brothers had a direct line to the highest echelons of, of the Detroit Police Department. Right. I guess to, just to delve into the implication a little more, it's that Coleman Young didn't want anything to impact his niece. That's exactly right. Including uh, an actual murder investigation into her husband. That's exactly right. Yep. How did you feel? What went through your mind when you saw that? Well, I knew right away that these rumors that we had heard through some of the other uh, sources out there uh, turned out to be true. I mean, why would your name be on that card? 
Johnny Curry would have never had my number because he didn't know me well enough to even approach me about my phone number. One of the other names on the card that Agent Schwartz found was Sergeant Jimmy Harris, the cop whose job was looking after Kathy Volson. When they eventually made the raid on the Curry drug house, they found a, a card with Gil's number and your number. Right. Why, why was your number on that card? Because all of Mayor's family had my card and my number. So They had my phone number at home, they had the office number, and they had my cell phone number, and they had my car phone number on it. So do you think Kathy put that number there, or who put that number there? Put what number what? I gave the card. I never gave Kathy a card of mine. Never. I gave her mother a card of mine. It was just a business card. If if it's a card, I don't know what, you know, when they said they found a card of my number, that's the only thing could have been a business card with my numbers on the back of it. And did you have any knowledge of a cover-up of the Damien Lucas shooting? I didn't know anything about the Damien Lucas case except for what you knew or anybody else in the media. After a series of raids, the FBI gathered enough evidence to indict Johnny Curry, his brother, and 18 of their associates. They were charged with conspiracy to distribute narcotics. Johnny says he had no choice but to plead guilty. My lawyer. He said, you can't be fighting the United States that's going to say on a thing. You versus United States of America. That's what's on your indictment. United States of America versus Johnny Curry. I'm going to beat the United States of America. I said, fuck that. Johnny Curry was sent to prison to begin a 20-year sentence. Good evening, everyone. Our top story tonight at 6 o'clock, an exclusive Target 7 investigation into the tragic murder of a 13-year-old boy. Here's Herm Groman, the FBI agent who caught Johnny talking about Damian Lucas on a wiretap. Uh, There was an investigative reporter for one of the uh, TV outlets in Detroit by the name of um, Vince Wade. And he did this uh, compelling story. It was titled, Who Killed Damian Lucas? And it started off with the 911 uh, calls from Damian's brother pleading with, uh, you know, for medical attention. Uh, You know, it actually put tears in your eyes when you listen to this. And so I took a copy of that video, and I played it for Johnny Curry when prison. The FBI agent and the drug dealer sat in the prison visiting room and watched. In a city with far too many murder statistics, Damian Lucas became just another number. At the Wayne County morgue, he became case number 3473 for 1985. But to those who knew him, he was a good kid with a budding interest in art. This is Damian Lucas holding one of his art posters that won a prize. This is Damian Lucas hamming it up like any other 13-year-old kid. He had a lot of talents. Liked his art. His art was his, was his heart. And I, I'll never forget, Johnny says, you know, I got kids myself. He said, that's tragic that that happened. And he said, you know, I'm not heartless. And I said, I want to talk to you about how it was covered up. He said, well, I'll tell you everything about it. Johnny opened up. He told Agent Groman that when he found out his crew had been involved in a shooting, he was worried. 
He said, um, yeah, you know, we were concerned there was, uh, it, you know, this homicide was starting to bring some heat on our operation. Uh, so Kathy uh, reached out and uh, talked to Gil Hill, the inspector at the homicide section. Johnny said that a few days later, he went to meet Gil Hill at the police station. And uh, he said, I uh, took $10,000. I had it in a briefcase. And I walked into the office. Gil Hill turned up the radio. I opened up the briefcase. I handed him $10,000. And... Um, he said, tell your guys to lay low. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. We asked Johnny Curry about this meeting with Gil Hill. Was there a meeting at Gil Hill's office? It was always a meeting at Gil Hill's office. I put it like that. Okay. We always met at, I would, I would go down to Gil's office sometimes and say, Gil, let's go have lunch or something. But it seemed like, from what I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that you and Kat, or this Damian Lucas situation, mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, you guys are at Gil Hill's office, and you're giving Gil Hill $10,000. To do what? To, to keep the heat off. No, 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 no. I didn't have to keep no... At that particular time, he was coming anyway. All right, so this story of you giving $10,000 to Gil Hill, is that, is that true? See, you keep saying giving $10,000 to Gil Hill. For what reason? I might walk in and say, here's your Christmas gift. Not because there's no reason why. I might walk in and say, be brother like family. Here, here go a gift. Take this and go buy you something. Might be like that. But just for, for act for, to give you $10,000, act, uh, act for you to do something for me. No. I don't say, here, man, well, let me know what's going on. No. That never happened. That never happened. Okay. But did you ever give him a $10,000 cash? I might have gave him 20. I don't know. And he said, uh, but that wasn't the only time I paid him uh, bribe money. He said, uh, I paid him throughout the years. Sometimes I'd give him $500. Sometimes I'd give him 2000 Tell him to take his girlfriend out for dinner. <clears throat> uh, he said it was a regular thing. And I thought, you know, I think what I'll do, we'll bring back Johnny Curry and we'll immunize him on the homicide and compel him to testify in a federal grand jury about what happened and who he paid. So that's what we did. A grand jury was convened, and Agent Groman wanted Johnny to be the star witness. I brought him back to uh, Detroit, and I remember I went into the Wayne County Jail where he was housed before his grand jury testimony. I said, Johnny, I just kind of want to go over what's going to happen in grand jury. And uh, he said, you know, I've been thinking about this. I want to cooperate. He said, but I'm not sure about these facts. He said, I'm not sure if I dreamed it or what. So he kind of had me, and we really couldn't use him as a, uh, as a witness in this thing. Johnny Curry is now out of prison, and he claims he had nothing to do with the murder of Damian Lucas. As for that wiretap of him discussing the shooting... The words that I said was, if anybody in my crew had anything involved in this, you don't do that. You don't go shoot up a house because it could be some innocent, not just kids, bystanders or bodies in there. And if you do that, you bring a heat on my organization. That was on, they had me on tape with that. I said, if somebody in my crew has something to do with it. It's going to bring heat down on my organization. And I want it handled. But it had nothing to do with Johnny Curry. 
the Detroit police feared the wrath of Coleman Young if they pursued the truth as to who killed Damian Lucas. Reporter Vince Wade. They tried to frame an innocent man. uh, And the reason for that, I contend, is that if they actually pursued the true shooters, it would have meant that the mayor's niece, Kathy Volson, would be a witness in a homicide case. They know who did it. They, they actually know who the shooters were, but they've never been prosecuted. And uh, they, they could be prosecuted, but there's not the political will to do it. You know, it's, it's this corrupt orbit that was around Coleman Young. I don't have any evidence that I was able to find as an investigative reporter that Coleman Young personally took money, but he allowed people around him to do it, and he didn't give a damn as long as they were totally loyal to him. We have to point out the wrongdoer if it's a member of our family. By our silence, we're a part of the crime. We're condoning the crime. To this day, no one has been charged with the killing of Damian Lucas. It's still an unsolved cold case. But someone wasn't ready to let it go. FBI agent Herm Groman. There was an opening on the public official corruption squad. And, uh, you know, I had all this information on the uh, corrupt police officers. And I thought this would be the perfect venue uh, to pursue that. So I went up and talked with, um, you know, one of the bosses in the FBI office. Uh, and we sat down, we started talking. And I said, listen, I got this idea. Next time on Crime Town, Agent Groman's idea. Crime Town is Mark Smerling and Zach Stewart Pontier. This season is made in partnership with Gimlet Media and Spotify. This episode was produced by Samantha Lee, Austin Mitchell, John White, Rob Zipko, and Soraya Shockley. The senior producer is me, Drew Nellis. Editing by Zach Stewart Pontier and Mark Smerling. Additional editing by Ryan Murdoch. Fact checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Sam Baer. Original music this season composed by Homer Steinweiss. We recorded some original music at Rust Belt Studios in Detroit in partnership with Detroit Sound Conservancy. Special thanks to Carlton Goals and Maurice Piranahead Heard. Additional music by Kenny Kusiak, John Kusiak, and additional mixing by Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Politicians in My Eyes by Death. Our credit music this week is Keep On Rockin' It by EZB and DJ Lowe's. Archival research by Brennan Reese. 
The TV report on Damian Lucas's murder appears courtesy of Vince Wade. Vince just came out with a book called Prisoner of War, the story of white boy Rick and the war on drugs. Check it out. Additional archival material courtesy of the Detroit Historical Society. Show art and design by James Cabrera and Elise Harvin. We've got a great website with bonus content for each episode, like photos, videos, and newspaper clippings, as well as a full list of credits and a transcript. Check it out at crimetownshow.com. Thanks to the Detroit Free Press, Peter Batia, Jim Schaefer, Mary Schrader, Mary Wallace, the Walter P. Ruther Library at Wayne State University, Melissa Sampson, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Bill Gray, Martin Torgler, Ralph Musilli, Evan Hughes, Richard Cardone, Keith Terry, Kevin Green, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Detroit is an amazing place, and we're honored to tell a small part of its story. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. Oh, hey, Alex. I'm not taking any more of this shit from you. You know how much this little stunt of yours going to cost this city? The mayor called the chief, the chief called the deputy chief, the deputy chief just chewed my ass out. You see, I don't have any bit of it left, don't you?